Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. Great pleasure to welcome Tanya Amanda to the front. Um, Tanya Amanda, thank you so much for being here tonight. Um, I had the most amazing experience with Tanya Amanda just earlier today where um, she was quickly telling me what she feels on her heart and what she believes the Spirit gave her to come and share tonight. And, and she was speaking and, and I couldn't respond. I, I don't know what my face looked like, Tanya, I'm sorry. But um, I just stood there and I got sort of goosebumps because it's exactly in step. She actually mentioned a bunch of sentences which were the exact sentences we prayed in intercession this week and the previous week um, so we're very very confident in the Holy Spirit's working here tonight and the message that he's bringing through Tani Amanda but Tani we thank you so much for being here and uh, we look forward to hearing what God has to bring through you let's give you a nice hand thank you to the leadership of a church that I truly love I love this congregation so much. I love your pastor, Werner, and I trust God for him that when he comes back, he will have quite a few um, uh, um, things to teach us. Okay, let's say it that way. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm, I'm very excited about the word God gave me um, for tonight. My theme is seated in his presence just for a lack of anything else. We can also say our hearts were created to carry the love and the presence of God. And I want to explain to you tonight something that sometimes seems so superficial and so far off, even for us in church. And I, I trust God tonight that through the Spirit of God, through the wisdom and revelation of God, we will come and reposition each and every one of us. So when we leave tonight, we will never doubt who we are in Christ, how he called us, what our assignment is, and how to fulfill that. Amen. I just want to pray, Father, thank you that I can declare tonight, Jesus, to you belongs all the authority all the power, all the majesty, all the splendor, all the glory. You are high and lifted up. You are seated above every principality and power, every throne, every king, every kingdom. You rule, you reign. You paid a price, Jesus. And tonight, Lord, I pray that you will help us to exchange anything that hindered us from being seated in you. Anything that hinders us, hinders us, Lord, from working with you from heavenly dimension. Anything that intimidates your children, Lord to be carriers of your glory. I pray in the name of, above all names, Jesus, that the power of God will come tonight. 
Holy Spirit will move upon each and every heart, each and every mind for renewing of mind, activating in a new dimension and in a new way the mind of Christ in us tonight and understanding of who you created your church to be, longing to see us, longing to bring you glory as you say in Ephesians 3 verse 21 in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to start by um, reading a scripture from Genesis 2 verse 8 and 15 where the word says, And the Lord God planted the garden in Eden. Planted a garden in Eden and the, uh, in the east. And there he put the man, or Adam, whom he had formed. The Lord God took the man, or Adam, and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. Now, for us as his church to understand fully what Jesus did on the cross and how he came to redeem our position in him, how he came to redeem our authority in him, how he came to redeem his church to become a warrior bride for him, we truly need to understand what happened in the Garden of Eden. Now, the word Eden, and I will not go into depth. I'm not going to give you Hebrew words. You can go and study it for yourself. I mean, we have Google. If you don't have a wife, you have Google. Okay. So Eden, I will just give you short words. Means spot, moment, open door, presence, pleasant atmosphere, pleasure, delight. Um, a man... He's already with the Lord, Miles Monroe, he, 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 he quoted this, he said, so we can say that Eden means a spot for a moment where the presence of God is an open door to heaven, and there he has put Adam. I want to say it again. So we can say that Eden means a spot for a moment where the presence of God is an open door to heaven. And there he has put man. Now we need to understand what God did in, in, in the Garden of Eden. We know the earth was, was, was void. Jesus, in his word, he says, and he is the word, by the way, and I'm so, um, I'm, I'm so uh, um, aware that the word and the spirit of God works together. That's why we need both for revelation. I mean, that's why we need him tonight also to open this up to you. Um, the word says, in a specific place on earth, God planted a garden, and he called the garden Eden. So if you can visualize the earth, now it's, it's, there's nothing, it's still barren, there's still nothing on the earth. God came down from where he, where he was, is, and will be forever to the earth. He chose a specific place. He planted the garden. He called this place Eden, pleasant atmosphere. Pleasure, a place of delight, a place of an open door to heaven, and he created a spot at a specific moment in time so that Adam could have a place where he would be in the 
perfect presence of God. So if you can visualize just for a moment the surface of the earth, because this will help us later on as well, to see what God wants us to do. Visualize the surface of the earth and God opening up a gateway, a door, an Eden, where he placed Adam. So Adam was placed in complete, clear presence of God, where there was no contamination, no sin, no division between God and man, a perfect presence of God. And he had complete, clear communication with God in his presence for a moment in time, in the time span that Adam had um, before this, the fall of man, before they sinned. You understand? It's important because later in Ephesians you will see how, how God restored this. And for us to walk in our authority, we need to understand how God created us as man in the beginning. And how his whole being and his whole desire was communion, fellowship, a perfect unity with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's why I explained the previous time why he first created Adam and then he took Eve out of her. For this perfect unity between Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and man. And this was the very thing Satan was after. Because he lost that. He lost his communication with God. He lost the, the, the innocence. He lost the purity. He lost the holiness. And he hates that. He actually don't want you to discover the beauty of his holiness. And the place of pleasure, the pleasant place in his presence. He don't want you to, to, to discover that. Then God, okay, so the presence stayed with Adam wherever he went. And God, he's, he was free in the presence of God. No shame, no guilt, no condemnation, no sin, no nakedness. He could just walk with God. Imagine, imagine Adam's life. For that, imagine how Adam, he, 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 he died at the age of, I think, 950 years. I'm not sure. Baie oud geword. For so many years, he remembered what he had and what he lost. And for 2,000 years, God was longing to send his son so that we can restore. And we can build a memory of what it is to be a carrier of his presence, what it is to experience his presence. I want to, to create a picture in your mind tonight so that it will, 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 there will be an explosion, a longing to restore to God in this way because it's possible. So then God told Adam, here is your assignment. I want you to be fruitful in this place. Multiply, subdue. He gave him authority and dominion over birds and fishes in the sea and the earth. Subdue the whole earth until, and this is now my revelation. Listen here. Why did God say, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. If God only gave him a small spot, a garden, 
in the beginning phase? Is it maybe possible that as Adam and Eve, under perfect circumstances, remember we talk now before the fall of man, is it possible that God's desire was that Adam and Eve would multiply, would have children, godly offspring, and that they would populate the whole earth with the presence of the Lord and restore the, the earth to the former glory before the fall of Satan, to the paradise that God wanted us to live in. It's important to understand that, that when God gave this to Adam, Eve was still in him, yes, but that's what the focus for tonight. He gave it because he wanted to see that Adam understand. Adam, I want you to rule. I want you to kingdom that I created for you right here must multiply, must, must extend. It's exactly where we are today. I will, I will bring the word. I will share the, the, the scriptures. So this was God's heart for mankind to walk and live in his uncompromised presence. The exact thing that we lost with the fall of man. The word says God drove Adam and Eve out of the garden and placed an angel to God over this utopia. <laughs> no. This place of pleasure. A place of delight. A place with no sin, no sorrow, a perfect place just to work and serve God, tender garden. So God placed an angel at, as a guard to the entrance, and man lost the direct contact with God, the direct presence of the Lord. And that is exactly why. Um, in the years to come, till the death of Jesus, they had to carry the ark. God gave an ark of the covenant. He gave a secret place, a holy of holies, where only one person, the high priest, could enter once a year into the fearful presence of God. People say sometimes the, the, the um, high priest would, have little bells on the hem of his robe, if he, the presence would kill him, that can pull him out. Because everybody feared the presence of God. If you will remember, when, when Moses went up to the mountain, when they heard the voice of God, they said, no, you go up. They were too fearful to follow to the presence of the Lord. So it's important to understand that before the cross, in between the fall of man and the cross of Jesus, the people could not, could not see God face to face. They could not enter his presence. So David, in Psalm 68 verse 24, uh, or in Psalm 68, he sings a song. And in verse 24, he remembers. Remember, David was one of those who had to carry the ark. Um, he was singing, stop. He, actually, people think he was totally naked, but he, I don't think so. I think he was in his, maybe in, in a, the underclothes or something. He, he had two or three steps, stop. He would dance before the ark, two or three steps, stop, dance before the ark, until they reached the tent where the ark would reside, where the ark would be and the presence of God would reside. As you met me, you all in the Bible. It's important to understand. 
if we don't understand, it's difficult to see what Jesus did on the cross and how he came to restore us. So that's why I ask the questions. In, in Psalm 68 verse 24, the word says, Oh God, my King, your triumphal procession keeps keep moving onwards in holiness. You are moving onward towards the holy place. In this psalm, David celebrates the final stage of a journey that began in my Mount Sinai with a with the construction of the Ark of the, of, Ark of the Covenant and finally ended at Mount Zion, the chosen dwelling place of God among his people. So David, in the song, he's singing, he's remembering, he see the procession, he see the glory of God moving towards the place that God desired his presence would reside called Mount Zion. We as the church are called Zion. We are the chosen for the presence of God. We are those chosen by God to carry his presence. But the question is how did God restore his presence to us? So to connect with one of the songs that we sang, in Habakkuk 2.14, the word says, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And Habakkuk had foresight. He saw into the future a glorious picture, a glorious thing happening on the earth. And that is that the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So now, just think about where we are in our own nation at the moment. It looks dark, eh? You know how God wants to bring the glory, the knowledge of the glory of God to the earth, to a place where it will cover the knowledge of his glory, will cover the earth is through us, the church. You will find it in Ephesians 3, the last verse, and more other places as well. And if we can see the picture that Habakkuk saw, Habakkuk saw the restored church. He saw the church in its full glory. He saw how God could finally release his knowledge, release the knowledge of his glory that we don't want to take. That must manifest through us, that must flow through us. We will read the scripture. He could see what will happen in the future. And he noted it down for us to desire, for us to chase after, for us as a church to come to a place where we say, Lord, we want to be this glorious church that will display not only your authority, not only your power, but that will be carriers of your presence where we go. So how did God restore our position? We sang the song about Jesus going to the cross and what he did. So I want to come in at Ephesians 1 verse 20 to 23 where the word says, um, and actually from 20b where he says, um, when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, speaking of Christ. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. 
whether angelic or human, and far above every name that is named, above every title that can be conferred, not only in this age and world, but also in the one to come. And he put all things in every realm and subjection under Christ's feet and appointed him as supreme authority and head over all things in the church, all things in the church, which is his body, we, his body, the fullness of him who fills and completes all things in all believers. I want to read verse 23 for you. It's not on there. From the Passion Translation, it says, And now we, his church, as his body on the earth, and the completion of him that fills all things with his presence flowing through us. His presence flowing through us. So, Ephesians explains the amazing grace of God. He came, his son, as a man to the earth. He walked on the earth like we, with the same emotions, the same challenges, the same struggles. Overcame everything. Went to the cross. Died. Overcame every principality, every power, every ruler. The word says he left him paralyzed and now. And now we come into a place where he was already resurrected, raised him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand in heavenly places. And Christ as the second Adam, the perfect Adam, the one that went before us to make a way for us fallen man to be restored, was the first man on earth. Understand? He was a man like me and you. Human flesh got hungry, had to resist desires, had to resist bad atmospheres, had to resist everything that we struggle with, was raised from the dead by the power of God and seated in heavenly places in next to Father God. And then in verse 23 or 22 and 23 where the word says, and he put all things in every realm in subjection under Christ's feet and appointed him as a supreme and authoritative head over us, the church. So the first, second Adam that was raised from the dead was seated in heavenly places and Father God thought it's a good idea to make him the head of the church. Are you glad? I'm extremely glad. A perfect man is the head of the church. I mean, it takes all the pressure from every other leader in church, by the way. Because Christ is the head. Now the good news is, and we are his body. We can walk in the fullness of what he accomplished on the cross. And this word explains that we are those who are filled completely by Christ. It's possible. We also complete Jesus himself. 
This is what the scripture says. What a wonderful and humbling mystery is laid up in the scripture. And I, I can tell you, I cannot explain the fullness of this tonight. You will have to go and study this. Break it down word by word. Study it and see what Jesus did. We are those who are filled, completed by Christ. Every lack that we have had in Christ, I will talk about it now. Every lack that you think you have has been completed in Christ. Every elke tekortkoming wat jy denk jy het, elke hangop wat jy het, nog steeds vandag, Jesus has dealt with that. He completed it in himself. But, because we are his body, as we, we sang a song about oneness, about unity, as we unite, as we receive the revelation of who we are as a church, as we become, start to walk in the revelation, in the authority, as we take up as a church, and it's now not denomination, I'm talking about reborn, spiritual children of God. That's what I'm talking about, but we are church tonight. As we start to walk in that, we as his body fulfill him. In heaven, Jesus is a man. He's got this, well, spirit body, not a body like ours. But on earth, we are a spirit body for him, carriers of his presence. And this is what the scripture explains. In Ephesians 2 verse 6 to 7, the word says, And he raised us up together with him. Say, us. He raised us up together with him. Amen. When we believed and seated us with him in the heavenly places. So exactly what Father God did with Jesus, he is doing, he did, he's completed, but every time that the person gives his heart to Jesus, every time salvation comes, it's happening over and over and over. And it will happen and it will continue till the day that, that he, 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 he decides to take his church. It will continue. It's a continuous thing. But the important thing to understand tonight, according to verse 6, is that he raised us up together with Christ. It has been done on the cross. Waiting for the time that you would receive him as your savior. Once and for all raised you up. Your choice to get saved or not. Your choice to be baptized or not. Your choice to be baptized in the Holy Spirit or not. He did it once and for all. And seated us with him in heavenly places because we are in Christ. And he did this so that in the ages to come, he might clearly show the immeasurable and unsurpassed riches of his grace in his king kindness towards us in Christ Jesus by providing for our redemption. The whole of Ephesians 1 and 2 is about the grace of the Lord. 
And how we are saved by grace. How we are restored by grace. And how we can grow in holiness by grace. How we can grow in our authority by grace. It's done. It's a choice. We are located spiritually in Christ. Imagine I can stand here. I stand here tonight. But it does not change my position in the Lord. I stand before you tonight, but I am in Christ. You sit before me tonight, but it does not change your position in the Lord because we live in two realms. We are a spirit being. We live with Christ in heavenly places. We operate from that place. That is our offset point. But we are in this world where we need to exercise the authority. And where we need to exercise not our authority, but grow in our authority in Christ Jesus because we have a revelation of where we are. So, we were in sin, but only till salvation. Now we are in Christ. I'm not in a broken marriage. I'm in Christ with a challenge called broken marriage. I'm in this world, but not from this world. That's what the word says. I'm in Christ and I have a ministry. I'm in Christ and I have a, 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 a career. I'm not in my career and have a Christ. It will be a mind shift because if you understand that your position in the Lord never changes, not even if you sin. I will show you how to restore if you sin. Not even if you sin, you can lose your position because it's paid for by Christ. Nothing that Amanda and you can do can earn your position. No performance, no knowledge, no education, nothing. It's done on the cross. The day when the Spirit of God resurrected Jesus, raised him from the dead, in him, every person was raised from the dead. Nothing that you do can change that. And nothing that you do, you don't need to first cast out devils and heal the sick and do stuff like that. That is the third part of our growth in, in, in authority. First we are seated, and then when we go to Ephesians 3, 4, we walk with the Lord, we walk in our gifts, we walk in our calling, we, we, we uh, grow in, 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 in um, uh, the fruitfulness in the Spirit by walking with the Holy Spirit. But seated comes before walking with God. And then in Ephesians 6 you will see the, way, what, the warrior arise. We finally, we understand, we have an armor, we have a super armor that we can walk in, not put on like in the old days when I grew up in church. They tell us stand before the, the mirror and put on your helmet and put on your breastplate. And your, uh, it won't help you. I mean, if you live without peace to, today in your home, you don't have your shoes on. If you don't read the Bible, your belt of truth will not grow so big that it will support your loins so you can stand against the walls of Satan. 
But first seated, you cannot go to war with, with, uh, if you don't understand. It's a place of rest. It's not a place why you must perform. It's not a place of performance. Jesus did that for you. What Satan do, he would he will day and night come with mind games and tell you, oh yes, you've done that, you see this, you did, and secretly you've been on your computer again and this and that. And he will try to strip you from the revelation knowledge and the mind of Christ, the understanding that will come as you study the Bible, as you get to know Jesus and who he is, and he can actually take his position in you. Because the word says, I'm in him and he's in me. Taking his position in you through knowing the word of God, that, that, that allows you to, to walk with the Holy Spirit so he can talk with you. So he can, and this is where the restoration took place. The day when Christ seated us with him in heavenly places. So think back. See the earth? It was now chaotic. Wars and all kinds of stuff. And, and we see, um, I mean, it's adultery and all weird and wonderful things that went on on the earth. But Jesus made a way. So now we lost the connection between Heaven and earth through the fall of man. But Jesus came and he seated us in heavenly places in him. But we walk on the earth. So what do you think? The more you are filled with the word, the more you are filled with the revelation of the word, the more you become a carrier of his presence and the more connection there is between heaven and earth. So if I enter a place, I can immediately sense this atmosphere that's not redeemed, that doesn't belong to God. But the good news is, the revelation came, that I am carrying the presence of God. So the atmosphere will change. But where will it start? In my mind. I mean, if I'm an angry Christian all day long, an unfriendly Christian all day long, if I'm a, a warring Christian, if I'm a warrior Christian with the ua, <laughs> I worry about this and that and money and my this and that, I mean, will you be an atmosphere changer? Are you a carrier of the presence of God? And this is where the redeeming must come. It's in the mind of man. You are already positioned in heavenly places. It must become a reality to you. And how will it become a reality? Through revelation knowledge. By getting to know Jesus. Studying his word. Believing that what he said is true. Seeing yourself. 
Maybe it's a good idea to stand in front of the mirror every morning and say, Amanda, you are seated in heavenly places of Christ Jesus. You are a co-worker of Christ Jesus. Your heart was created to be full of his love and his presence. You are an atmosphere changer. You heal the sick. You raise the dead. You cast out demons. This is who God created you to be. Why? Because he says his kingdom must come on earth as in heaven. And you are the portal. I, I don't know where the word comes from, but anyway. You are the gate that he wants to use where you go. To bring his peace, to bring his love, to bring his, his healing power. It's his. It belongs to him. But I am the body. He flows through me. And he flows through you. And, and when we grow in this Revelation of who we are. I can tell you today, this church will not be the same numbers in two months' time. Because what we do is we identify with what Christ did on the cross. The expensive price he paid for you and for me and for our restoration back unto him. And his desire that you and me will be an open channel so that the redeeming power, the healing power, the saving power, and the presence of God can flow through us where we go. And salvations will take place. This is not that is vanier. And you know Satan intimidates you. Many times he says you can't pray for the sick because you are not perfect. We cannot perform. We must be obedient. Obedience opens the gate, floodgates for the presence of the Lord to flow. It's good to tremble when you go and pray for people and to understand that you can't do anything but out of fear for God, reverence for God, and obedience, I'm going to do it, Lord. Because Jesus paid for the 18-month-old girl with cancer. Why would we allow stuff to happen on this earth that Jesus has the answer for? Why? That is to carry his presence. To come to a realization where we, where we understand that nothing what we do can change his love. Yes, we can walk away from God, but his, the position is still vacant there. I ministered in Namibia a few years ago in a church. I can't remember the church's name. They invited me. It's a big church in, in Sokopmoon, and they invited me to minister to, to intercessors. And... Um, the afternoon, I just spent time and I pray. I say, Lord, is there a specific word you have for this? The intercessors for the church. And I fell asleep and I had a dream. And in the dream, I walk into the church. God actually showed me three people in the church. The worship leader, the pastor, and another man. And in the church was this beautiful, huge, kingly chair loaded with files and the last two files when I at last got there it was very difficult to offload the files because God in the dream said the chair is ready but my people has many excuses 
So when I came, I had to offload the files, very hard work, heavy files, all the excuses of the Christians, why they can't be seated in Christ. I came to two black boxes full of accusations towards each other. Did you see that brother, what he's doing? He's surely not a Christian. Did you see that sister? I could not, in my dream, get the accusations off. So I woke up, and I prayed. I said, Lord, must I share this? Yes or no? Yes or no? He says, just for intercession. He says, for share. And the Lord says, it's for share. And exactly that was going on. They had the knowledge that they were seated. They had the knowledge, the, the, I would say the logos, but no revelation of what it meant. No excuse is big enough to steal your place on, your, on the seat in heaven. No excuse. And no accusation is big enough to keep you and I would say slander and malicious gossip and anything. Don't allow the things of the world to steal your position in the Lord. Don't. Also, because you are young, maybe this is why the Lord just keep on giving this to me. If you have a challenge in your marriage, don't allow it to steal your position in the Lord. That is what you need to remove the challenge. You need that position. And it is from that position where you pray, where you do your warfare, where you tell Satan to go. It's from a place where you understand, in Christ I'm seated. I'm not in an unhappy marriage. In Christ I'm seated, a place of pleasure, a place of success, a place of authority, a happy place. And from this place I command the challenge is to go in Jesus' name. Amen. So, verse. I can't what I can now Ephesians 2:20. I will feel a fraud. Verstaan you what I say? As I come Want ek wil nie enige persoon met to gaan. En sê, ek verstaan nog steeds nie. Jesus wants to use you. He wants to turn Sekunda upside down. Out there, there's people that are desperately broken. Desperately broken. Jesus needs you. He needs your feet. He needs your hands. He needs your heart. He needs his compassion in your heart. He needs you to become a change agent for him. He needs you to bring the kingdom of God to this place as in heaven and wherever God is sending you. Ephesians 2.20 to 22 says, You are rising like the perfectly fitted stones of the temple and your lives are being built up together upon the ideal foundation laid by the apostles and prophets. And best of all, you, my church, are connected to the head cornerstone of the building, the anointed one, Jesus Christ himself. The, this entire building is under construction. Take courage. Jesus knows we are under construction. It's in the word. And is continually growing under his supervision. 
until it rises up, completed as the holy temple of the Lord himself. So many people are on this thing about the presence of God. He wants to live in us. His presence wants to reside in his temple. It has to do with unity. It has to do with submission. It has to do with my will, to lay my will down. It has to do with brotherly love. There's many dimensions to this. But the temple of God is built out of living stones, not dead bricks. We are raised with Christ Jesus. We were made a living stone. We are built into a special wall called the wall of his temple. We are busy arising in Secunda and every other place where people receive this revelation. They become part of this one huge gigantic spiritual temple. It's not a shofar temple and a lighthouse temple and a this temple. The temple of God is being built. He calls us to a specific congregation to serve because God is also a God of order. How will it be if we are just wild, running wild every place? And I mean, it's not, it won't work. God doesn't work that way. But I want you to understand that we are the temple and his presence in the old days. When Solomon, before he called the, the um, when, with the inauguration of the temple, the presence came into the temple and the people couldn't stand for three days. Why? Also because they were not used to the, the uh, uh, um, manifest presence of God in those days. So one of the reasons. So understand, now we are a spiritual temple, building with living bricks. In 1 Corinthians 3, 16, the second last scripture, I know, I first want to read verse 22. This means that God is transforming each one of you into the holy of holies, his dwelling place, through the power of the Holy Spirit living in you. So we spoke about David, how he, in his mind's eye, he remembered the procession, how they carried the ark to the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle. And today, God says, you are my Holy of Holies. You are the place where my presence wants and must and need to reside. It's in you. You are a carrier of my presence. In Corinthians 3, verse 16, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? One of the reasons why Satan would like to keep substance abuse strongholds, sexual iniquity strongholds, because he defiles the temple. And the Holy Spirit cannot flourish in a default temple. Everything starts with the mind and how we desire to have this mind of Christ and how we will study the word and allow the word to wash us growing in um, purification. It's a process. 
every person is on a different level of his growth with God. And what we need more than anything is compassion with our brother's struggle, our sister's struggle. Not a gossip, not a tailbearer. God doesn't need those stuff. When I see my husband struggle, don't matter what, I feel the compassion of Jesus in my heart for him and I pray for him. He wakes me up. If I see the church struggle, if I see my friends struggle, I, and I don't feel the compassion, I ask him, Lord, give me the compassion for the struggle. Because that delivers us immediately from a judgmental spirit and from all the other stuff that comes with that. The presence of God has no place for Satan's darkness. The more we allow it, the more darkness will flee. Now, to end off, in Acts 3.19, the word says, So repent, change your inner self, your old way of thinking, regret persons, <laughs> regret persons, Remorse is wanneer jy uitgevang word en jy sê sorry. Regret is wanneer jy met God connect en die effect wat jy sonde op die koninkryk het. En jy repent from a place of regret. Julle verstaan die verskil. And return to God. Seek His purpose for your life so that your sins may be wiped away, blotted out, completely erased. Ek wil net die poos, if you repented of a sin, don't allow the accuser to accuse you. If you changed your ways, and a person comes years later and says, oh yo, iemand het enig van gesê, oh yo man, drink jou pa nog so baie al. Sê ek, het jy nog nooit met Jesus connect nie? Is jy nog altyd sonder om? Want dit, moet jy na intercessie te vat, when you see a person struggle. Not, oe ja, ek het gesê, dit gaan gebeur nie. Owens, hier is die key. So that times of refreshing, ok, ek wil net teruggaan, so that your sins may be wiped away, blotted out, completely erased, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. And immediately as you repent, you restore your connection with him. You feel disconnected. He is not disconnected. You feel disconnected because you are guilty. I mean, you, you allow guilt. But the moment that you repent and the moment that you apply the blood of Jesus and what he did for you on the cross, it restores immediately your relationship with the Lord and you can feel his presence again. And confidently, this, in Hebrews 6, the word says this is a foundation. Faith and repentance is a foundation. This must be part of a Christian's daily life, daily living. Restoring you like a cool wind on a hot day. And that he may send to you Jesus the Christ, who has been appointed for you, whom heaven must keep until the time for the complete restoration of all things about which God promised through the mouth of his holy prophets from ancient times. Now, 
We are not waiting for Jesus to return. Jesus is waiting for us, his bride, his church, to arise, to take our position. The word says, heaven is keeping him from coming back. I'm sure he's ready. He's dressed up, all dressed up. A glorious bride, groom, glorious on his white horse, ready. But heaven said, no, it's not time, it's not time. We are watching her, we are watching this church. Look, she's awakening, she's busy awakening. She's busy taking a position, she's busy understanding what I want from her. Is that me something to live for me? as a corporate unit before the Lord. To close down 2018, one of the things that God spoke to us very clearly, he will restore your dream and your vision, but he will also restore his dream and vision for the church in our hearts. The word says in Joel, in those days, in the latter days, in the end days, he will pour out his spirit. And then he speaks of stuff that will happen. People will dream, some will have visions, some will see, see visions. Why? Why can they dream now? Why can they see visions? Because the spirit of the Lord that was withdrawn from the Old Testament people were poured out in Acts 2. We need the Spirit of God to revive our vision, our dream. We need the Spirit of God to help us to grow in our revelation in who we are in Christ. In Acts 2 was chaos when the Spirit was poured out. As you can remember, they said, they are drunk, they are this, they are that. How is it that they can talk in my language, but they are Arameans, and they talk maybe Greek, or whatever. It was holy chaos, until Peter stood up and said, let me explain what is happening. It was written in Joel that, and Peter came and he brought the spirit working and the word of God together as a human unit. The word and the spirit cannot operate separate. So for you, and then the church started to grow. They went out, they started to multiply. 5,000, 3,000 daily added to, to this, the, um, um, this church. When the spirit and the word comes together, confusion must go. So if you feel confused in certain areas of your Christian life, you need either the spirit of God or you need the word of God. And you need to bring the two together. So by studying the word and asking Holy Spirit, reveal to me. So here we are. It's 2018. God says this year will be a year of an extremely glorious harvest. We need to understand who we are to be able to go out with power and preach the gospel with power. I want to challenge each and every one of us sitting in and standing in this place tonight. Pursue your position in the Lord.
tell Satan where he belongs. Tell him he was conquered and left paralyzed in hell, according to Colossians 2. Read from verse 15 to on. Tell him he has no say, he has no voice. There's only one voice, and that is the voice of my bridegroom. Prepare ye a way for the Lord to come, to return. There's only one thing that we need to pursue, the presence of God. By kicking out every squatter that for many years told you, I've got a legal right. Ricky Mott owners have put the eight. Whoever that squatter is, whatever the lie is that kept you from running in full strength with God, from working with Jesus from heavenly places, from rising like an eagle, from walking with the line of Judah. Jesus vergelijk himself with a leo in, in, in a lamb, my now, and black boy now is, a leo in an orange. The orange flieg hoog, flieg nie so met duive nie. Ook, hy soor very high, and this is what God wants us to do in this year to come.